Welcome to the Men's Leadership Network podcast, where each month we're exploring what it means to be a godly leader in our homes, workplaces, and communities. We want to be a resource for men who are seeking spiritual leadership principles so that they can live and lead differently in all aspects of their life. This initiative is not just about reaching, but equipping men for Christ. As always, listen to the end to hear our guest answer our favorite question, what do you want your legacy to be? And we hope our conversations will help you answer that question yourself and better equip you to pursue it for God's glory. Now this week's episode. Hey guys, thanks so much for joining us today on the Men's Leadership Network podcast. And we are so blessed today to have Patrick Holcomb with us. And Patrick, we are just coming off Verses, which was incredible. And Patrick, you may uh, recognize him from the leadership curriculum that comes along with Verses. And so we'll be talking a little bit about that in the podcast today. Uh, but, you know, we're having a big emphasis right now just on spiritual leadership. And as men, that's our call, to be the spiritual leaders that God created us to be. And so, Patrick, thanks for joining us today and and how you live that role out in your life. And so we're going to unpack that today. And and I'm just so thankful for you, my friend. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Appreciate you letting me come on and, and talk with you and spend a little bit of time with you. Oh, it's great. Well, hey, tell us about your family. Yeah, it, it uh, recently... A new new baby, a new addition. <laughs> yeah. So I kind of have to remind myself of that. He's uh, two weeks today, so that, wow. that's been incredible. So married to Emily, she is incredible, uh, incredible woman. Loves the Lord, pursues Him with such a passion, mm. and it's so encouraging for me to see that. It's so encouraging for my boys to see that. Uh, I'm encouraged to know that our two week old son is going to grow up with her as as his mother, mm. um, raising him. So that's incredible. Um, and then three boys, uh, Will, who's uh, 10 years old, uh, Benjamin, we call him Benny, who's eight years old, and now Samuel, who's two weeks old. Um, and, and, and you know some of our story, yeah. Jeff. Um, mm. Samuel is just such a gift from God. He yeah. truly is. He, um, you know, we, we went through five miscarriages and thought that God had two kids in store for us, and that was going to be our story. Um, and we literally cleaned out and gave away <laughs> every article of baby clothing that we had and every toy that we had and every stroller that we had. And, um, God said, I'm not done. I got more for your story. And he provided for us a wonderful baby boy, um, and allowed my wife Mm. to get pregnant. And he's, uh, he's an awesome, awesome, good gift from God. (laughs) Um, in a time, uh, that also he knew we needed in a season Mm. he knew we needed. Um, and uh, both my boys, you know, were at Covenant School. They were there the day of that shooting. Mm. And in the midst of such tragedy, to be able to bring home a, a new baby boy um, and see the goodness of God in that is pretty incredible. Um, and sometimes those contrasts of something that's so difficult and so hard, and at the same time, something that, again, just a true gift and is so beautiful and so tender and so wonderful. Um, you, you see the goodness of God in those moments. And it was such, it's, I'm so thankful for it. Um, he didn't have to do that. Yeah. He's such a generous, kind God, but he did that. He did that for my family. He did that for our community. Um, and he provided that redemption for my wife and her Amen. story too. Um, and so extremely thankful for that. Wow. And I love that name, Samuel. <laughs> it's so perfect, right? You know, man, so thankful. Um, Patrick, tell us a little bit about your career, about how that's gone in your life. Yeah, so I, I'm a, a builder. I'm in construction 
for a long time, it was just commercial construction. But as a couple of years ago, we started doing residential too. I probably grew up a builder from the time that I was, you know, four or five years old. I was the kid that for Christmas, what's on your Christmas list? And I'd tell you two by fours and plywood. <laughs> um, and I can tell my tell you my mom was not happy with my dad when he that Christmas Eve was dragging in lumber into our living room and was tucking it underneath the the Christmas tree. And she's just rolling her eyes like, you're scratching my walls up, you're scratching my doors up, bringing this wood in. And what in the world is he going to build with all yeah. this? But it was just always a passion of mine to to be in construction. I've always loved it from a young age. Mm. I like the, the seeing the things get built, the progression, the daily progress uh, that you that you see. To me, it's very rewarding um, to, to see that piece of it. And then as my career has advanced and moved, um, the ability to work with different clients, to work with different people, and then also now recently building a team of people around you and being able to invest into those people has been great. Yeah, it's amazing. And I've had a front row seat to see that all that unfold, you know, which has been pretty awesome too in your family, your career, and and um, now having your own company and doing huge building projects around Nashville all over the place. And you've rebuilt so much of Nashville. So, uh, but praise be to God, you know, and um, in this the season. Tell us about your faith story. I mean, how did you become a Christ follower? And and the impact there. Yeah, so I grew up in a, a Christian home. Um, there's a there's part of my faith story that that's pretty bland, mm-hmm. but um, at the same time, I have to realize that I need to be thankful for that. Yeah, right. That I, right. I grew up in a home where both my parents uh, pursued Christ. They showed me and my siblings what that looked like. You know, I, I again moving into so probably to answer your question, I became a Christ follower when I was probably five or six years old. Did I know what that meant? No. Mm. Um, but did did I see that example from my parents? Did I see that example from having an older brother that also as a Christ follower? Yes. Um, as I kind of moved through childhood and into high school, that's probably where it became a lot more real for me. Uh, I owe a lot to my older brother, Paul, who really poured into me and my friends. Uh, he literally taught me and my buddies Bible study for two years uh, wow. while he was a junior and senior while I was a freshman, sophomore, every Tuesday morning, he'd drive around and pick up uh, five of us. His buddy would drive around and pick up five of us. And we would go to a McDonald's on Green Springs Avenue in Birmingham and do Bible study um, to the point he taught us how to do that. And in turn, me and two of my friends did the same thing our junior and senior year wow. with one of my buddies, younger friends group. And mm. in turn, they did the same thing after we left. Um, Eric Rebels was my youth pastor uh, growing up. He's an awesome guy, um, was super encouraging to me and my walk with Christ um, and really set me up when I went to college for what that looked like. Um, and then, you know, going to Auburn, eventually meeting Emily, getting married, and then entering into married life. What does that look like? What does that look like to pursue Christ mm. together at this point, right? What does that look like to move to a new city of, of Nashville and get plugged into a a community of believers. How do we find a church? What criteria do we want to look at? Um, And so there's, there's always been this kind of continuing story of added depth to Mm -hmm. my, my walk, uh, continuing to add children into that mix. What does that look like? We're, we're kind of always in this stage of always being a freshman again in life. You never arrive at that being a senior and then you're a senior forever. You start again. And so, 
um, what that looks like too in your faith walk. You're constantly being put in these situations where it's new to you and you have to continue to rely upon him to give us strength and him to guide us mm-hmm. and for the Holy Spirit to give us wisdom and discernment in those times. So it's, it's, it's not over yet. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm continuing to see my need for him and I continue to see more of him and less of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a struggle a lot of times. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, um, as I, hopefully as I continue to mature and grow in my faith, he'll continue to show me more of himself yeah. and more of my need for him. Mm-hmm. And so, and I'm appreciative of that. I'm glad that, that our God cares enough to pursue us. Mm-hmm. Wow. Patrick, that's, that's so strong, you know, and it is this continual growth. It's that, that maturity of seeking the Lord and sanctification and what God's doing in your heart and your life. And and I'm thankful for you. I've had a front row seat to watch God work in your life and, uh, you know, even before kids and to see, you know, being at Rolling Hills and being at church together for all those years and now being in Bible study together for the last five years and just seeing what God's done. And it's amazing. And I'm thankful. So, hey, you know, we were talking at Verses, right? Uh, just, you know, several weeks ago, we had our big Verses event, which was incredible, Verses 23. And, and then with the Versus Bible study, we've really been focusing in on spiritual leadership. And so as you were just talking, I mean, I'm thinking, man, that's what we're seeing as spiritual leadership. But how would you define spiritual leadership? To, to me, spiritual leadership or leadership in general starts with an attitude of stewardship, uh, meaning the talents that we have, the opportunities that we have, the friendships that we have, it all came from God first, yeah. not from us. And this life that we have is not our own. It was bought at a price. This is God's life. And so when we take that attitude of, okay, God's given us these talents. God's given us these opportunities. They're not my own. They're his. They belong to him. So therefore, he's calling me to be a leader. Hmm. He's calling me to be a spiritual leader. You know, at at a young age, when I was probably 18, 19 years old, I was interning in college. I lived with a a roommate of mine in Atlanta with his family. Um, His dad extremely successful from the the standard of the world. Um, Huge businessman. He came back one night after having this really successful meeting with a global athletic apparel company. And he he got the deal done and it equated to a huge amount of money. Um, And he brought brought, uh, Kevin and I down to his office and he sat us down. He said, guys, I want to tell you all how my meeting went. And they were all super excited because dad just made this big deal. And he said, what I want to tell you about is how it went down. And so he said, we're sitting here in this boardroom. I'm, you know, there's all these executives. And the executive said, if I'm going to sign you up for this, it's going to have a huge impact on our company. I need to know who I'm getting in business with. Tell me about you. Why, why do I need to go into business with you? And uh, Mr. Turner said, the first thing I need to tell you is I'm a Christ follower. And that's number one in my life. And then he went into other aspects of his life. But that stuck with me because I said, here's this man that's on this huge stage for him. It was going to be a, like a you know slam dunk, you know, walk off home run. And he did not shy away from, mm. I'm a Christ follower mm. first. And he made an intentional you know, conversation with Kevin and I to say, here are two young guys that are 18, 19 years old that have their life in front of them, their career in front of them. I'm going to teach them what it looks like to follow Christ mm-hmm. in all areas of their life. Wow. And so being a spiritual leader doesn't mean I'm just a spiritual leader at home. Doesn't mean I'm just a spiritual leader at church. I'm not just a spiritual leader at Wednesday morning in community group. I'm the same spiritual leader 
at work, as I am Saturday night, as I am Friday night, as I am Sunday morning, because this life is Christ's life first, not mm -hmm. my own life. Mm -hmm. This is his story, not my story. Mm -hmm. I'm just glad to be a character in the book to be used by him, which is incredible that our God uses us mm. in his story. And our God uses our children in his story. Talk about seeing something that's incredible. Watch God use your children. Mm. That's powerful. Yeah. That's humbling. Mm. And so from being a leader to me also, back to your question, servant leadership entails influence. How are we influencing other people? How are we allowing them and encouraging them to mature in their walk with Christ? That To me, that starts first with, with us as the leader pursuing Christ, us as the leader being led by the Holy Spirit. How are we leading by example for others to see first? Um, you know, what, what are we seeing of God moving in our lives that other people around us see that example, see that we are serving others well? Why? Because Christ called us to be servants, because Christ was a servant first. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you know, John Maxwell, uh, he's a great author. He has a ton of books on leadership. He makes a big point to say that everything rises and falls on leadership. Mm -hmm. So when we're talking about leadership, we're talking about spiritual leadership, that comes with a lot of responsibility. But what are we doing as leaders to first invest into our ability, right? And when I say that of how are we pursuing Christ, yeah. it's impossible for us to be spiritual leaders if we're not in God's word, mm -hmm. if we're not praying, if we're not serving other people, if we're not putting other people before us, if we're not putting other people's needs before us, if we're not putting others' interests before us and putting ourselves second, that is a difficult place to start to say, I want to be a spiritual leader and not do that. Mm. So again, it falls on us as leaders. And as leaders, we're saying, I'm okay being second. Mm. I'm okay being the last one that's being attended to. We need to put other people in front of us, other people first. And people see that. Mm. They'll see your heart behind it. And they'll see, this guy's not all about himself. He's all about me. And what it does is it encourages them to in turn do the same thing. And they'll mirror what you're doing and how you're leading them. And in turn, they're going to lead other people and do the same thing. Yeah. Man, that story is powerful. You know, man, I'm so thankful you shared that. And Mr. Turner and that business opportunity, but the way he then taught you guys and modeled that for you, uh, that's strong, man. That is leadership right there. So talk about that, Patrick. How, how, what does it look like to be a spiritual leader at home? Yeah, at home um, and, and continuing to, to really drive the, we got to be the same in all areas, mm -hmm. right? Like Mr. Turner said when he was at that boardroom table, I'm a Christ follower first. So I'm at home, I'm a Christ follower first. So what does that mean? And even in, you know, 1 Corinthians, God's word tells us the head of man is Christ. Mm -hmm. The head of a, of a wife is her husband, right? Mm -hmm. But in that it's saying, God is number one, right? Yeah. He's the one in charge. We have to acknowledge that authority, and we have to acknowledge as men in our lives, we answer to that authority, right? And then we, in turn, you know, have authority in our home, and we are called to, by his word, to lead our, our family well, to lead our wife well, to lead our kids well. But we can't do that if we're not first pursuing Christ. If Again, if we don't have the, the Holy Spirit guiding us, giving us wisdom as discernment, in those difficult conversations, in those conversations 
with our spouses, with our conversations, with our kids, having intentional spiritual conversations with them. Um, you know, how are we spending time in prayer, one, one-on-one from a quiet time standpoint, but two, how are we praying with our kids? Mm-hmm. Are we praying with our spouses on a regular basis? Are we being intentional with that? Are we re- reading God's word together as a family? Are we being intentional on the time we spend together, for instance, at dinner and having spiritual conversations with our kids? Don't wait for some event to occur and feel like, oh, I need to enter into this conversation and make sure I interject Christ into it. Make it, make it secondhand, make Mm -hmm. it a habit where the kids realize mom and dad really use the lens of the gospel to make all their decisions. Mm -hmm. I need to do the same thing. How is that impacting me? How am I at 10 years old sharing the gospel with other people? How am I seeing other people's needs before myself? That's a challenge with kids. How am I giving them an opportunity to go out and serve others first and realize that their needs aren't the ones that need to come first, but those other people do? How do they serve other people? How does it get their mind where they're understanding this isn't about me? This life isn't about me. It's about glorifying God. It's about glorifying Christ and putting him first in our lives, putting other people before ourselves. That's great, man. That is great. And that's that's the role of a dad. That's what you're and I are called to do, right, as fathers and being the spiritual leader of our home. And, um, man, we've got to do that. Well, what does it look like then to be a spiritual leader at work? Yeah, I'm going I'm to beat this dead horse again. Okay. We got to be the same everywhere. Yeah. We got to be the same at church. We got to be the same with our family. We got to be the same Christ follower at work. And and for me, you got to look at it also realizing this life is God's. This life is Christ's life. He bought my life mm. with a price, right? So anything that I do from a professional standpoint, anything I do as a business owner, it's not my company. It's his company. Mm. It's not my employees. It is, it is his people that he's entrusted me with to lead well. Mm-hmm. He's given me this team and said, Patrick, how are you leading these guys well? Mm. How are you adding value to them? How are you investing into them? And again, they're not there for me. I'm given the opportunity because this is, it's, God gave me the ability to do this. God gave me the talents. God gave me the relationships to be able to, to, to run a construction company. Mm. He's also brought people onto my team but they belong to him, not to me. Mm. And so I got to make sure that I keep my mind, uh, you know, check myself in that sense. Um, we didn't always have that attitude. Uh, I, I think I shared in the versus curriculum that initially we really held on to our business really tight. We really felt like we needed to control it. We really felt the pressure of going to get more work. We really felt the, the need to just really squeeze down on the guys and make sure that they're doing everything they're supposed to. And I tell you what, that doesn't work well. It, it, it amounts to not sleeping very good. It amounts to waking up all throughout the night. And when you finally do roll out of bed because you're just kind of glad it's over, you look down and you're like, wow, I sent myself 15 emails last night from 1 o'clock to 345. Yeah. And I'm stressed out. Mm-hmm. And when I'm stressed out, my mind's consumed by work. And I can't, when I come home, engage in the conversations with my wife because mm-hmm. I got work you know, swirling around the back of my head. I can't engage in the conversations with my kids Mm -hmm. because I'm distracted by work. When I'm at work, I can't take time to realize, hey, I think this guy's off today a little bit. He seems something's up. I need to take time to ask him, what's going on in your life? Mm -hmm. What happened, man? Something Mm -hmm. seems off. Mm -hmm. Let's talk. 
I can't do that because I don't have the space to do that. Mm. And so for us, from a company standpoint, we kind of got to the, a breaking point and we said, this can't be it. This can't mm. be the way that it's supposed to work. Um, and in that, we came to this clear realization, this is God's company. Mm. It all belongs to him. Any work we get, any new project we get, any contract that we get awarded is not from ourselves. It's mm. all from him. And he's going to take care of us. And we have to trust him first in that. And how do we now interact with our team? How do we now interact with our subcontractors and vendors? How do we now interact with our owners? Because it frees you up in that at that point. So specifically at work, one thing that we did when we kind of made that shift is we were like, we need to be able to show our team who tends to be in construction, a vast majority are, are guys. The vast majority of, of our employees are guys. We feel like, one, men are called to be leaders by God. We feel like men are called to be leaders in their households. As a general contractor on the job site, we're called to be leaders. And so what are we doing to pour into these guys from a leadership standpoint? How are we impacting them? How are we adding value to them? And we feel like the number one way to add value to somebody else is to present the gospel to them, <laughs> present Christ to them, right? Present biblical leadership principles to them. So every Monday morning when we have our staff meeting, what's the first thing we're going to do? We're going to open up in prayer with the entire team. And we're going to get our mind and our position in a place where we say, God is our authority. God is over us. That's what's the most important thing. And then what's the second thing we're going to do? We're going to take time and say, hey, guys, what did God teach y'all in this past week? It can be anything. It can be anything from I had a conversation with a guy on a job site. It can be I heard Jeff preach on this Sunday. I heard Chase preach on this Sunday. It can be I learned this in my small group. It can be I had a conversation with my eight-year-old reading the children's Bible and something struck me, right? But this is what I learned. This is what God taught me. And so we're going to spend time on that. And then after we do those two steps and get our mind in a, in a place of saying, it's not about us, how are we glorifying God? realizing God's the one that provides for us and everything we do. Now let's go talk about what we're going to do this week. Mm -hmm. And then also, in addition to that, we brought in a character coach. Um, I think years ago, we would have probably called him a chaplain. <laughs> I, I think too, we we're trying to be kind of cool and be more kind of sports oriented. And I feel like a lot of these major sports teams have character coaches. So every two weeks, uh, coach Omar Mance comes mm -hmm. into our office and we charged him with teaching biblical principles from, for leadership with our guys. And so he comes in every two weeks for an hour in the middle of the day. Um, we, we carve that time out. We prioritize it. He goes through a, a little curriculum on what that looks like. But it also just creates space for guys to be open, to talk about whatever going on in their life, for us as a team to come around them, to pray for them. We've literally put hands on guys and prayed for them. We've shared difficult things that go in our life. There's been many a, a tear shed there. I've you know, shed many a tear <laughs> in that room with those guys, just experiencing and walking through life together mm -hmm. and realizing, hey, guys, th there needs to be a place in your life, if you don't have it, where you can be open, real, authentic, and vulnerable. And we said, we want to put that in the middle of the workplace. Mm. And we want to do that every other Thursday mm. at our office. And guys, come if you can. And we, we send that out to all our superintendents, all our project managers, everybody on our team is, uh, is open to come. And we tend to average about, you know, 12 to 15 guys that mm -hmm. come and do that, um, which is incredible. It's incredible to That's see awesome. the vulnerability that guys uh, mm -hmm. will share, their ability to open up and talk about things. That We've had guys say, I've never shared this. Mm -hmm. 
I've never talked about this in front of other men. And it's incredible to give people the opportunity to do that and see people step into that. Yeah. You know, in addition to that, we started a couple of years uh, ago, we called it Leadership Thomas. So again, this idea of men being called to be leaders. Um, and again, a lot of our guys are, are, are kind of younger in their careers. So what are we doing to invest into them from a leadership standpoint? So uh, four of us on our uh, you know, executive leadership team will take three or four guys through a one-year curriculum from, for leadership. And we walk mm. through it with them, and we're very structured in how we do it. And we're really intentional about the meetings that we set up, the, the one-on-ones that we do with those guys. And at the end of the year, they graduate. And the way that we tell them that they need to do their graduation is to set up a service project for the entire company. Because, again, we're telling them, if you're going to be a leader, that means you're going to be a servant leader. Ooh. That's what we're talking about here. We're not talking about putting yourself up in the big corner office and putting your feet on the desk and saying, hey, I've arrived. Mm. What we're saying is, is how are you serving other people? And the way to do that, we feel like is lead out front, set up that service project. Let's take the whole team there and tell them, you guys are the ones that put this together. And it's important. And this is the culmination of you graduating from Leadership Thomas is to go to do a service project. And it's been incredible to see those guys take it and run with it and invest into it and buy into the idea of, yeah, this is what I need to be doing. And to see how it impacts their professional life, to see how it impacts those guys' lives with their, with their coworkers, you know, to see how they're impacting with their marriages, with their kids. It's pretty incredible when you give guys the opportunity to step into that and you invest into them as leaders to see that take off. Yeah. And that's that to me, from a professional standpoint, has been super encouraging. We're, and some of that is just in its infancy with what we're trying to do. Um, and so we, we see the value in it, and we're going to continue to pour into that and continue to invest into that and to continue to invest into our, our team and what that looks like. Man, I love that, Patrick. Gosh, that's really good. And so intentional. I mean, you're really intentional at home. You're really intentional at work in in raising up leaders, you know, and that's that's leadership. That's what God's called you to do. What does it look like to be a spiritual leader at church? So again, we're going to beat that dead horse. It's just getting, you know, it's not looking pretty over here. But we're called to be the same everywhere. Yep. We're called to be the same again at home, at work, at church. Mm. We're the same Christ follower everywhere. Mm. As men, we can't buy into that we can be different in different circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, th- there's a book, uh, I, I think it's Men Are Like Spaghetti, Men Are Like Waffles, and it yeah. talks about men being compartmentalized, um, which I think is is an accurate description to an extent, but let, let's let not let that compartmentalize our spirituality. Let's not let that compartmentalize how and where we follow Christ. We got to let that be everywhere and in all things that we do um, because we're a Christ follower first mm-hmm. before anything else. Um, so, so for me at church, it's looking for areas and places where God gives us talents. Mm-hmm. Where does God give you strengths? If you're great with kids, go get involved with the kids ministry. Carol Adama is unbelievable with babies. Guess what she does? She works in the nursery. You get a baby around Carol, she's going to be holding that baby. She's going to be loving on that baby. That's one of her gifts is how she does that. But she identifies that and said, this is a gift God gave me, mm-hmm. right? It may be my, your gift may be teaching, right? Mm-hmm. Like Jeff, mm-hmm. what's Jeff do? He's teaching. 
If your gift is teaching, go be part of a community group. Yeah. Go lead a men's group. Mm-hmm. Go lead a you know a, a community group of, of young married people if you're a young married person. Or if you've been married for 30 years and you want to invest into the younger generation, up and coming, you know, young married, go do that if that's your mm. gift. See what your talents are and where God can plug you into church. And, and prioritize that. Look for those opportunities. You said you're right. You have to be intentional. Mm. As a leader, you have to be intentional in everything you do. Don't miss out on the opportunity to step into that leadership where God puts you. God doesn't do things by accident. Mm-mm. And realize nothing surprises God. No matter what happens today, tomorrow, the next day, God knew about it all before it ever happened. Mm. And he will equip you for those situations when they come. Mm. But that also means he's equipping you to step into being that leader. Mm. So look for the opportunity and go do it. Yeah. Mm, that's so good. Hey, what does authenticity and vulnerability um, have to do with leadership? How does that impact leadership? To me, I think it has everything to do with mm. leadership. Um, you have to be authentic. You have to be vulnerable. Uh, you, you heard me earlier talk about leadership having, you know, influence, to have that influence in other people's lives, they have to trust you. Mm. And the way to build that trust is for them to understand and see and experience you being authentic and you being vulnerable. And that takes a pattern, right? It's not a one-time thing. Um, If you're fake, if you're just kind of saying all the right stuff and checking the boxes, people will see right through that. But what we're talking about here is if we truly want to influence somebody and have impact for them for their walk with Christ— you got to be authentic and real. Mm. You got to be real about your own walk mm-hmm. with Christ. You got to be real with your own shortcomings, where your own struggles. You got to be willing as a leader to do that first. We can't expect people that are following us to do something if we're not ourselves doing it first, mm-hmm. right? Um, the world talks a lot about culture, right? Like whether whether it be the culture of a of a business. You could mm. even say, what's the culture of your family? What's the motto of your family? Uh, You see a lot of stuff on websites. Uh, Mm -hmm. This is what our culture is. This is what our mission statement is. You can walk into a lot of offices and see some really cool stuff plastered on the walls. But if the leaders in that place, if the leaders in that home Mm. aren't being authentic, vulnerable, and real Mm. and doing it themselves, Mm. what's on the wall is not culture. Mm. We are culture. Mm. You as a leader are culture, (laughs) right? And remind your team that your team is culture. Every individual there is a culture of that place. Whether they realize it or not, remind them that they are part of that culture. They are that culture. Mm. And so being real, open, authentic, and leading first and doing that, again, share with your team. Share with those people that you're leading where your own shortcomings are, right? You need to be relatable. Mm. You need to be somebody that's approachable. If you're the guy that's perfect and have never messed up and never made an error, it's going to be real tough for somebody that does make an error to bring it to your attention. Mm. What's, what are they going to do? They're going to want to hide it. They're going to think, right. oh, man, I can't go talk about this to this person. If you never share with your kids some of the, you know, their, your own struggles that I think at the time is age appropriate for them, you know, talking about them and their age. Not, I'm not talking about struggles that you as an adult have. But I'm talking about if you're talking to a 10-year-old, relate to them as a 10-year-old. Mm-hmm. Talk to them about what it was like of, man, I remember not really wanting to go to church when I was 10. Mm-hmm. I remember thinking, why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. Tell them, I get it. It mm-hmm. was hard. Mm-hmm. But you know what? My parents made me go. <laughs> and I made friends there. And I got where I enjoyed it. And I got plugged in. And I started investing in time there. Yeah. Right? 
walk through that with your kids. Yeah. Make it relatable. Mm-hmm. Be authentic with them. Be mm-hmm. real. Share that piece to them. When they get in high school, share some of the struggles that you walked through in that moment with them mm-hmm. at that time, right? And the same thing with guys at work. Mm-hmm. Share about where your struggles, where your shortcomings are. If somebody messes up something, give me an example of how you did the same thing. Mm-hmm. And tell them then how you got through it, right? Because at the end of the day, we're all going to fall. How are we going to be there to help other people get back up mm. and keep moving forward, mm. right? In our walk with Christ, we're going to fall. We're going to fall every day. Yeah. Thank goodness his word <laughs> tells us his mercies are new every morning because we need them, because I need them mm-hmm. every morning. Mm-hmm. I need them all day long. And I need that constant reminder that God tells me it's okay to fall. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I got you. Yeah. I'm going to pick you back up. Mm. Let's keep going. Mm. I love that. Patrick, that's so good. So good. Hey, I just want to ask you, you mentioned earlier um, about your kids being at Covenant School. Um, what, have, what have you learned from that? What has God taught you from that whole experience? I, I think it's taught me he's in control. Um, we're not. It's reminded me that... Um, you have to trust God. You have to realize that nothing surprises him. Nothing catches God off guard. Um, it, it also was a good reminder of you can't wait for that tragedy, that moment to occur and not have laid a foundation for your kids of what it looks like to lean into Christ uh, for strength, for healing, Um you certainly enter into that with them in those moments and you definitely are able to further those conversations. Um, but if you've had those conversations ahead of time and you've got that foundation set ahead of time, um, it does really help. Um, it's really hard. Uh, it makes you super thankful for a community of people that God puts around you. Um, makes you very appreciative of your church family. Um, There's, uh, there's struggles that come along with all that, right? There's um, times you feel, um, why do my kids uh, get to live and others didn't? And those are hard conversations to struggle with God about. I think also in it, it taught me, I don't have to know all the answers. I don't have to know why. I don't, and I gotta be okay with that. God knows. Um, this side of heaven, I probably never know why. Um, but God has purpose in it. I can see God's purpose in it thus far. Um, I can see Christ has been glorified in this. I can tell you in sitting through five of the six funerals, um, the timing of them, there was one I couldn't make it to. Um, Christ was glorified in all those places. The hope of Christ was just, it it was everything at every one of those funerals that I went to. Um, I tell you, as as someone that follows Christ, um, I don't know how you do it if you don't have Christ. I don't know how you can go through that tragedy if you don't have hope, if you don't have uh, a savior that says, I love you. If you, uh, believing and knowing that the people that you love that lost their life are in a better place 
that they close their eyes and open their eyes with Christ standing in front of them, being in heaven, is unbelievable. To know that they're in a better place, to have an eight-year-old son that said, Daddy, I know, I know why God took them. He took them because I think they loved him the most. And for them to say, Daddy, I know that Shooter was walking those hallways, but Jesus was walking those hallways that day too. <laughs> and for your kids to know and understand that ultimately it was God that protected them. We can do a lot of things, right? We can do a lot of things to protect our kids. We can do and should do a lot of things to protect you know, kids in school, but ultimately it's God that protects us. And he will never leave us nor forsake us. And in those moments where we think we're all by ourselves, we are not. He is always with us. And that is an amazing constant reminder in all of this. Thanks for sharing that. You know, I I just, I've watched you lead through one of the hardest um, times that anybody could ever imagine. And uh, you and Emily have done that well. But it wasn't just leading in that time. It was leading before that time um, in your family and at work and at church that even prepared you and prepared your kids for walking through that time. And so I just want to say that I'm proud of you and I'm thankful for you and I'm thankful that we have a God who walks with us, walks those same halls. What is your prayer for all the men listening today? My prayer for the guys would be that they would— be the leader that God has created and called them to be. And in that, that they would, they would find and know their why, um, you know, that they in that would invest into that skill set as a leader. We're, we're great as a society of understanding sports and the value of practicing sports, right? It's like, if I want to be a great golfer, I can't golf once a year. It's going to be rough, right? But if I put time into it, if I get a coach, if I spend time practicing my golf game, should and will improve. Now, am I ever going to be Tiger Woods? I'm not. I don't have that natural ability for sure. But I can get better if I put time into it. So what are we doing from a leadership standpoint to put time in? Where are we spending time in God's Word? Mm-hmm. Where are we spending time reading you know, other leadership books? Where are we spending time in prayer? Where are we investing in other men's groups where we're investing in each other's lives, where we're holding each other accountable, where we're leaning into each other? Um, you heard me talk about John Maxwell earlier. He talks a lot about the circle of influence that you put around yourself. What are we doing as men to surround ourselves with other quality Christ-following men that will lift us up, that will be there to lock arms with us, to go through life? Because there will be hard times in life. Yeah. God's Word tells us that. Mm-hmm. We're guaranteed that. It's going to be tough. But when those moments hit, who do you have around you? What foundation have you laid that you can that you can lean into? Um, also, in that again, if everything rises and falls on leadership, again, John Maxwell talks about that. How we continue to elevate our leadership ability. Um, I know it sounds cheesy, but I'm a big fan of leaders or readers, <laughs> right? Um, and so, to the guys listening, I, here's there's six books. Um, <laughs> that I would tell you to, to go read. Uh, they're, they're great leadership books. There's a ton of them out there. These are just six that, that I've really enjoyed going through. Um, I'd say, too, when you're reading any of these books, read it through the lens of the gospel. Give yourself grace and give those that you're leading grace. 
Um, the first one on my list, 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership by John Maxwell. If you can tell I'm a big John Maxwell fan, he's got a ton of books. I've done leadership conferences where I've gone to listen to John uh, in person through podcasts, through going in, you know, through Zoom and, and some of the, the post-COVID world that we live in. Um, but I think John's great. Another one of his books, Five Levels of Leadership by John Maxwell. Um, Leaders Eat Last by Simon Sinek. Infinite Game by Simon Sinek. Uh, Power of a Humble Life by Richard Simmons. And uh, a book, Integrity by Dr. Henry Cloud. All great books. Um, when you as a leader are, are reading, read it through the lens of how can I apply this to my life? How can I apply this at work? How can I apply this principle and how I'm leading my family, mm. even how can I apply this principle and how I'm leading my kids mm. and at church, you know, don't just read it to read it, but truly look at it and say, this is an opportunity for me to change my leadership ability. Am, am I the, the ceiling that my organization is hitting, but if I can raise my ability to lead, I now have raised that ceiling for the whole entire organization. I mean, and so don't shy away from reading those, you know, reading books. Again, those are just six that I've enjoyed reading that I went back through and said, hey, what kind of what are my top six that I would go to? I'd for sure uh, spend time on those. Um, but again, don't let that, you know, go in front of reading God's word, <laughs> praying, pursuing him first. And again, when you're reading these books or any leadership books, take it all through the lens of the gospel. Mm. Don't take what these men are saying as as gospel truth. Um, but, but, but take some of those principles that they're teaching you and how can you apply it to your life and as a leader? Wow. Those are so good. So good, Patrick. Hey, one last question, man. We ask everybody, what do you want your legacy to be? So I saw when you sent the, some of these <laughs> questions, Jeff, and I, I saw that one and it kind of was just looking at me the whole time as I was going <laughs> through it. Um, I for sure feel that God has called me into an industry that is predominantly men. Mm -hmm. um, God's given me three children, and they're all boys. Um, and so clearly God's put men on my heart, um, and he's called us as men to be leaders. Um, so I see there's a great opportunity um, where God has placed in my home, in my industry, in my church to influence other people to step up uh, as Christ-following uh, leaders. Um, I don't think he's done yet. I think he's just getting started. Amen. Um, so I think ultimately, I don't want to put a period at the end of what I want my legacy to be. Mm. I, I know that it is investing into other men's lives. Mm -hmm. I know that it involves uh, teaching and encouraging them in their own leadership abilities and pouring into that. I know that from an industry standpoint, it's going to continue to be investing into the construction industry in Nashville, mm. in, in this region, in this area, and just how God's going to continue to write the story. I don't know, but I know he's writing it. Amen. I know that I'm not the one writing it mm -hmm. and I'm ready to follow him wherever oh. that goes. Love it. Patrick, that's powerful, man. So let me pray for us right now. Let's do it. Father, thank you for today. God, and just what Patrick said, that our legacy would be that we followed you. We followed you wherever you lead us, God, and that we would, the leaders that you create us to be in our home, in our work, in our church, in every area, Father, and that we're consistent, we're the same, 
And so, Lord, I pray that we would be intentional leaders today. I pray, Father, for every man listening right now, God, that that we would step into this call that you've given us, that we would spend time with you, that we would pray, that we would look at every opportunity you've given us, God, to point others to you, to be the men that you've called and created us to be, to be the leaders you've called and created us to be. And so thank you for speaking through Patrick to me and to all of us today, and bless him and his family, God, and this precious two-week-old baby in their home. God, thank you, Father, for all that you do in our lives, and we give you all the praise. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Oh, Patrick, thanks so much for being here, and uh, man, speaking just incredible words of truth for all of us. And guys, thank you for joining in and listening today, and just encourage you, man, be watching every Friday. We have the Man Minute that comes out and just encourage you to jump into a Versus group. We've got Bible study groups that are happening for Versus guys that are all over. I mean, Versus was incredible this year. Be looking forward to next year and all that God's going to teach us. And then we look in next month for our next podcast. Thanks for joining in. Have a great week. God bless. You've been listening to the Men's Leadership Network podcast. We pray that what you've learned today will be helpful as you strive to become a better leader in your home, your workplace, and community. And as always, if you were impacted by today's podcast, we hope that you'll subscribe, comment, and share this podcast with others. And be sure to join our email list so you make sure you never miss an episode. You can do that now and find all of our past episodes at mensleadershipnetwork.com. We'll be back with a new episode on the first Friday of every month. Thanks for listening.